Ever wish you could redo part of your draft halfway into the season? What are some decisions you wish you could change or mistakes you wish you could fix from your draft? You'll hear some of ours today and much more on Fastball Fantasy Baseball. I'm Taylor Tarter, and this is Fastball Fantasy Baseball. Let's get into it. First off, can we just talk about the number one prospect in all of baseball? Do it. I have to say, Wander Franco is a guy that I have had stashed on my roster for two full seasons. And last night was the first time I actually saw his swing in a video that wasn't filmed with something other than a potato. Um, it's such a sweet Sweet, quick swing. I like what I really love about the guy was on full display in his first at bat, though. Uh, for years, I've been reading about uh, his elite plate discipline and his very first major league at bat. The kid goes down 0 2 in the count, then he proceeds to draw a, a walk in the next four pitches. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if like people realize how that's that's a lot of discipline right there. Yeah, I mean, imagine just, like, all of the emotions, the adrenaline, the nerves that you're feeling. You oh, step yeah. to the box, your first professional at bat at the big league stage. And you have the discipline to go draw a walk after being 0-2. I mean, I, I just – I, to me, it's clear the kid was ready at the end of that at bat. It, it kind of makes you question why they didn't bring him up, like, a month ago when they brought up uh, Walls. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess, I don't know. I was thinking that about that, too. And it was clear that Walls, you know, was never going to be the solution. But they, I guess they had to give him a fair shake to see what he was going to be like, you know, on the big stage. Yeah. Um, but you know what else I, like, totally, totally fall in love with? Uh, and it's mostly, mostly baseball, but it's my favorite thing in sports. Um, when you see players making their debut and then – they cut to their fans or their, their their family in the stands, you know, and there's just this like wild roller coaster of emotions. Um, meanwhile, last night you look at Wander Franco's dad. He's in the stands. He's got a camera on him the whole night, and then he smashes that three run dong, and Papa Franco losing his mind. So was I. Everybody in the stadium. I mean, it was cool. It felt like it was a playoff home run almost. You know. Yeah. It's it, that's very cool, and like I, I've seen something like that with uh, he. I don't know if he still is, but uh, Isan Diaz in Miami. Yeah, his, his dad uh, for his like first career home run just like erupted in the stands, and that's always cool to see. Yeah. As far as like expectations, I find it kind of interesting that I, I I'm I'm assuming that in the next couple of days we're gonna see rest of season projections adjust, but like hardly any of them haven't projected for anything significant. They, they don't expect much. And I think rest of season, you're looking at, at, at least a 10 to 15 home run guy. Um, 275 batting average, I think is realistic. He was batting 315 in the minors, but he can hit, he has some power. Uh, you know, his hit tool, like you mentioned earlier, it's one of the best in, in the minor leagues. Uh, so I, I'm expecting that to transfer over. Um, so I don't think he's going to hit 300, but 
you know, we'll see. Um, he's not the greatest base stealer, but I could see him snagging five or 10 bags. Uh, Tampa's going to let him run. Um, and, you know, so there's obviously a lot of different league formats, but would you rather have Wander Franco rest of season or Glaber Torres? Uh, yeah, I'm going Wander for sure. What about uh, Adalberto Mondesi? 100% Wander, with the exception of maybe, like, you really need steals. Uh, and Mondesi's obviously, like, the main guy for that. So, even then, though, I'm going Wander. I agree with you on both of those. What about Corey Seager? See, that's really tough. Um, y- you know, he's still on the IL, right? So, you know, if, if it's a redraft league and you're dealing with a guy like that, um, I think – it comes down to playing time and you know Wander's going to get the playing time and Seager is injury prone. I would probably, I, I think I'd still go Wander. Yeah. I, nope. I, I think they're very they're I think they're going to end up being very similar stat wise rest of season. Yeah. I, I kind of lean Wander though too, just for the intrigue. Yeah. And I, I'm going to be honest. There's, I'm very biased. I mean, this Kool-Aid is tasting mighty good right now, you know? So I, I'm probably going to go wander over all three of those guys. Not to mention Wander's probably going to have multiple position eligibility in, in a couple of weeks. So yeah. that's a big boon to your, to your roster. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's interesting. We're talking about taking him over those guys that would put him for sure. Top 15 at shortstop. Yeah, it might work, might work, you know, and again, we're talking rest of season might work his way in even a little higher. So let's uh, move on and do a quick week 11 recap of how we did in our leagues. So personally for me, uh, it was a real back and forth in my main matchup all week. Uh, Aaron Nola killed me spiritually with his 2.1 inning, six earned run start against the Giants. Luckily for me, my opponent had started Alex Wood, who was pitching against Nola in a game that was a 12-6 to Phillies win. So I got a little bit of a balance there, but still, you know, you expect a little bit more from he's my number 1A, 1B guy on my roster. Uh, so things stayed really tight until Sunday Night Baseball, which to me is like kind of the best part of fantasy baseball is you have a you have a crazy matchup all week long and then it goes into Sunday night baseball and you just have to wait around yeah. to see what happens uh and luckily for me Acuna hit his 100th career home run which seems completely preposterous to say that he has 100 career home runs already um I have mixed feelings about these seven inning double headers uh but I think ultimately it's good for baseball uh side note though uh Ramiel Tapia is He's definitely my MVP of last week. The guy's very quietly like a top 30 hitter. And uh, I've been very fortunate to ride that wave. Points league too. Points league, yeah. Yeah. So in my eight-team head-to-head categories league, I did not have a ton of great offensive performances. Four home runs and eight RBI out of Walsh, who I love Jared Walsh. And I had a nice week for Matt Olson. Trey Turner gave me a couple of steals. Aside from Glass now getting hurt, uh, it was a pretty good week for me with pitching. Peralta, McCullers, Musgrove all had good games, gave me quality starts. And I also have Scherzer in that league. And he was hurt last week, 
but he came back yesterday and real quick, you know, this isn't fantasy baseball, but oh, we got to talk about this. We have so, to talk about it. <laughs> so this checking pictures thing is going to be a nightmare. It's going to be ridiculous. So if you didn't see the video of the Phillies uh, Nats game from Tuesday, Scherzer gets checked for, for sticky stuff to start the game, right? And he's already upset that he gets checked then. Uh, and then later in the game, he is dealing and Girardi asks the ump to go out and check him because apparently he was like touching his hair or whatever. The, I don't know if you've ever seen him pitch, but he sweats so much when he pitches. So he's like brushing the hair back and stuff like that. And so Girardi's like, we got to go out and check him. Uh, obviously, this was to throw him off his game. Uh, on on his way out of that that inning, Scherzer stares him down all the way from the pitcher's mound to the dugout. At one of those like, "Come at me, bro!" looks. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then Girardi is like jawing at him. And when he's in the dugout, Scherzer like he's lifting up his hands and his glove like, "Come check me, come check me!" And Girardi starts storming out of the dugout, gets thrown out of the game. To me, this is like such an annoyance like i get i i i think it's the right thing to do that mlb is cracking down on like stuff like spider tack or whatever it's called and like you know some some of these like very adhesive you know substances but i think they're going about this the wrong way yeah well max is the man uh, I mean, that whole situation was brilliant. Uh, the foreign substance checks are going to make for really great theater the rest of the season. And last night, you know, it's it's night number one of being able to do this kind of stuff. Right, yeah. right. You know, so um, I loved Max post game. He said, uh, and I quote, I'll take off all my clothes if you want to see me. I've got nothing on me. <laughs> This isn't an empty threat. Max will, will get down to skin just to prove a point. For sure. Uh, yeah. And, you know, when when Max is in, you know, Mad Max game mode, uh, and, you know, he, he's a complete psychopath, right? He's yes. a great dude on and off the field. But when he's when it's that fifth day, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a psycho. Yes. You know? So watching him react to all these checks it was just it's scary kind of like you're wondering what max is going to do to people you know yeah um and i don't know if you caught it but uh late night on the west coast sergio romo was also checked and in a in a similar manner like max romo takes off tat throws to the ground takes his glove off throws to the ground and then he proceeds to take off his belt throws down on the ground then he pulls his pants almost like they're beyond his butt like almost all the way down I mean, this is just a, like a taste of, you know, how guys are reacting to something that, you know, it, it's it's invasive to them. Yes. You know? Yeah. So and it, I, I saw something, I saw something online that was like, way to go MLB for uh, assuming everybody's a cheater and like, you yeah. believe, believing coaches who think the other team is cheating and yeah, it's there, just, it's going to be ridiculous. Yeah. This backlash is totally made by the MLB they did it to themselves yeah 
And so I'm in another, I'm in a league with you, the, the 12 team points league. I was basically neck and neck until the final day. And so what I've been doing in that league is maxing out my pitching starts by streaming pitchers. I, I reserve like two or three pitching slots for, for just for streaming. And it's been working. I had a seven week win streak. I'm back now on a two week win streak uh last week trevor story uh and one of my recent ads jonathan scope uh were my best offensive performances ryu and gossman were my best pitching performances we talked gossman last week we'll talk ryu in a sec uh but really quickly on jonathan scope dude is legit all the hard contact is backing up the home runs nine percent barrel rate not great relative to other players but it's the best of his career 41 percent hard hit rate best of his career good not great 32 percent hard contact rate i think the pace of home runs may slow down a bit because the home run to fly ball rate is a little bit higher than normal but he's pretty consistently been a 25 home run guy 275 uh, batting average and i think that is definitely within reason makes him a solid starter at second base and he should be first base and dh eligible in most leagues and the most important thing of all still in first place in both leagues for now for now <laughs> next up we'll take a quick look at a few players who had the best week 11s washington outfielder kyle Schwarber. He went 10 for 26 last week. That's a 385 batting average, seven runs, six home runs, and 11 RBI. He had back-to-back games of two home runs and three home runs. And I think part of this is he's batting leadoff now. Uh, I listened to uh, Nats GM Mike Rizzo on the radio today. He said he thinks that getting Schwarber some leadoff at bats is helping He's seeing more fastballs. He's getting more fastballs up, uh, which is helping him drive the ball more. So this is definitely uh, an intriguing thing uh, to watch. Uh, His current BABIP is actually identical to his career BABIP, which means that 240 batting average is right on. And and I think that's kind of what we expect in that 235 to 250 range. Uh, I'm more interested in figuring out if the power is legit because this is insane. And he's got a 16% barrel rate, which is top 10 for qualified hitters. He's a 50% hard hit rate, which is top 15 for qualified hitters. The home run to fly ball rate is a little higher than normal. So obviously this, the, the home run pace is going to slow down, but the, the power is legit 35 home runs, I wouldn't be surprised for this season, uh, but he is streaky. So I'm expecting maybe the next two weeks to not be so great, uh, but great cheap power option. Love me some Kyle Schwarber. Another great uh, uh, week 11 performance was Hunjin Ryu. Out of all the two start pitchers last week, he's the only one that picked up two quality starts. Uh, and he, he did have a lot of crooked numbers in the game against New York, four walks to three strikeouts, not what you want to see. Uh, and then uh, he gave up three earned runs, five hits, and six innings. He didn't factor in a, into the decision of that game, but 
but still picked up the quality start and obviously did a little bit better in his game against Baltimore, who wouldn't. Uh, the strikeout per nine rate is down, and that's something that concerns me a little bit. Um, I actually have him in our league, um, but and he's not he doesn't profile as like a typical pitcher that I would like, but he he definitely is useful. This season, he's giving up more home runs than normal. The BABIP is a, off a little bit, so I think we're seeing kind of right around what he should be doing ERA-wise, but there's a few problems for me that I've noticed leading to this home run increase. So this is the hardest barrel rate and the second highest hard hit rate he's allowed in his career, and that's a problem. And his cutter, curveball, and changeup are all doing worse this year than last year in terms of batting average allowed, uh, there's a spin rate decrease on all his pitches except his changeup. Maybe that's because of the sticky stuff. Maybe not. Uh, but all of those things considered, that's probably what's affecting his strikeout rate because he was a nine strikeout per nine innings pitcher last year, and he's been above eight pretty much every year of his career. But for whatever reason, he's – not getting in a lot of rotation on the ball. He, you know, they're just not performing well for him, his pitches. So I think he's closer to maybe a top 25 to 30 starting pitcher rather than a lot of ranking systems that have him around top 20. I don't know what you think about him. Yeah. I mean, I think we're kind of what's on display here is I think a guy on the back half of his career, you know, I mean, he, he's still obviously rosterable and you want him on your squad, yeah. you know, but I think the best of, of Ryu is, is behind him, you know, and it's just what happens, you know, not everybody can be Verlander and Max. Right. All right, we have some new injuries, just a few though, and, uh, but a lot of updates, injury updates to cover, so let's get into that. Ouch, baby. Very ouch. So we're going to go through some new injuries first and then get into some updates. So Atlanta starting pitcher Max Freed, he's out with a blister, uh, but usually that doesn't keep pitchers out for too long. Likely the minimum stay on the IL. He's able to return Tuesday the 29th. Uh, but one thing I wonder is, are without the, the grip enhancers, are we going to see more blisters for pitchers? Um, I don't know if, I don't know if that's going to help or hurt or what uh, in that, but uh, you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like blisters have been an issue for Otani in the past. Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I, I, it was either the beginning of last year or the beginning of this year where he missed a start uh, for sure. Uh, so yeah, Atani might be dealing with something like this too, which would have really, you know, hurt the, the Cinderella story. Yeah, and I, I'm just curious. There are definitely pitchers who have suffered, like Rich Hill is another Rich. guy who who is blister prone, and I'm I'm very curious to see if this is something we see now that like the the foreign substance thing is yeah, going to crack down on. It's interesting. I didn't even really consider that, but you're totally right. 
A couple, a couple more quick ones. Uh, Cleveland starting pitcher Aaron Savali. So this is more issues for a Cleveland rotation that's just like being depleted. Um, they're going to get Plesac back soon, but you know Bieber going down now. Savali, he's actually seeing a hand specialist after an issue with his right middle finger. Don't know exactly what it is, but um, we'll find out. We'll keep you posted. And then Marcus Stroman, Mets pitcher, he left the game on Tuesday with hip soreness. He did get an MRI. It didn't show anything like any structural damage. So the teams, uh, they have him day to day. So, and he's been having a good season. So keep your eye on, on that situation if you roster him. And then we've got a good update for Chris Sale, which is exciting. Uh, he's throwing a bullpen this week. Uh, and he had, threw one yesterday, actually. He's facing hitters on Saturday. So this is really good news. Uh, he's still probably a little bit uh, away, and we'll keep you updated on Twitter, so make sure to follow Fastball Pod, and we'll, we'll put out anything we see there. Uh, Cincinnati infielder Mike Moustakas, I want to get your take on him. Uh, so he was moved to the 60-day I.L., because of plantar fasciitis, which is, it, it can be a really debilitating injury. This is, as a Naps fan, something we've seen a couple of times with Ryan Zimmerman. Uh, it can keep you out for a while. And so for me, if I had him, I would consider him droppable. Yeah. I, I don't think what you get when he comes back is going to be worth hanging on to him now for. The cost of keeping him isn't isn't worth it. You're absolutely right. I mean, not to mention, you know, that offense is weird and goes up and down, and the players around him aren't necessarily really producing. You know, so it's not worth the process of hanging on to, to Moose. As much as I really like Moose, you know, it's uh, I think it's time to cut cut the beat. Yeah, I I, I really like him too. Normally, um, I I think this is a situation where if this was like a normal year without everybody getting hurt when, yeah. you know, if you didn't already have five other guys, IL eligible, I think you maybe hang on to him, mm-hmm. but because of the amount of injuries that most people are dealing with, I think you got to just cut him loose. When he comes back, they, they have to manage his playing time because it's like a foot thing. So, um, you know, he'd be playing maybe every other day, maybe every three days anyways, with the risk of more injury. So time to say goodbye to Mike Moustakis. Uh, another Reds uh, player, starting pitcher, Sonny Gray. Uh, he's probably a week or so away. Uh, coming back from a groin strain, he is making a rehab start tomorrow, Thursday, which if you – if they bring him back on schedule, he would be back, I think, next Tuesday. Um, but that's the optimistic side. Uh, and then we talked about um, Cleveland players already. Here's a couple updates for you. This should be an offense that's getting better soon. Uh, Framil Reyes, he has a rehab assignment this week. That's a lot of home runs coming back to that offense. Uh, starting pitcher Zach Plesak, he threw a bullpen last week, should be back soon. And then catcher Roberto Perez, he should be getting a rehab assignment this week as well. And again, lots of home runs there. Uh, he's a good 
power hitting catcher, not going to hit for average, uh, might not even hit his weight, but, uh, he's a good power option. And so that's a lot of home runs coming for a team that's second in the division, but only has like a plus two run differential, which, which is crazy. Um, this bummed me out, Alex Bregman, not because I like him as a person, but because I have him on my team. <laughs> uh, he has a quad strain, so he's out again. And according to manager Dusty Baker, he's going to be out a while. And so I've seen estimates that put him around the all-star break, uh, which isn't too far away. But, uh, you know, again, soft tissue injuries, kind of got to wait and see, could take forever. Uh, we got a couple Dodgers players that are on their way back or back. Uh, Cody Bellinger, he is playing today. Uh, so if you hear this in time, make sure he's in your lineup. Max Muncy came back yesterday. And then Corey Seager took some batting practice last week, but actually won't start a rehab assignment until Monday. So obviously there, there's something there that they want to kind of move him along slowly. And then I know... You like your boy, Fernando Tatis. Uh, what did you think about the, the, the injury the other day landing on his, uh, his bad shoulder? Oh, yeah, of course. You're, you're hitting the panic button big time. Yeah. You know, but, and then, but then you got to say to yourself, you already bounced back from it already very quickly. So you, you feel after the initial, like, wanting to jump through a window, you, you talk a little more sense to yourself and, Maybe he just has has the ability to heal rapidly. You know? Yeah, I, I just like they they have to tell him to like stop putting himself in those positions. Like you don't have to. It's okay if a guy gets on base. Like you have to be safe. Yeah. Uh, you know that's that's what the Nats did with with Bryce Harper when he kept getting hurt because he would just go so hard and like run into the wall or like take a misstep or like swing too hard and like something would happen. And so, so he, he dives, he dives, lands on his hurt shoulder, which apparently he has a partially torn labrum in that shoulder. I didn't even realize uh, until I read this. (laughs) And I will tell you, not fun, had a torn labrum not fun he's going to have to have surgery on that at some point um but but the thing is is he likely would not be injured on that play unless you know he already had shoulder issues yeah right and so it's one of those things where like for almost anybody else that play isn't a problem but for him it is and so he's back now obviously it didn't like keep him out for a while but those sorts of things just like worry me about him. And then you have, this was just so disappointing. Tyler Glass now, he was doing so good. And he, you know, he came back from all these injuries and having like one of the best seasons, uh, you know, of his career. And then he, uh, he gets hurt. He has like a, he ended up with a partially torn UCL. So he gets moved to the 60-day IL. He's out two months minimum. That takes him to mid-August. And even then, he still might not come back. And so what the team is doing is they're just totally shutting him down for a month. And he's going to get treatment for that partially torn UCL. And then they're going to reevaluate. 
So the question is, what do you, what do you do with him? If you roster Tyler Glass now, what do you, what do you do? And so like, so let's look at this from like redraft keeper dynasty, right? I think if you're in a redraft league, you just have to drop him. Yeah. Just because of the, it really like, you know, your team depending uh, on your, your injury situation. I mean, obviously you can stash him, stash him, but the likelihood of you having any room on your IL is pretty, pretty low. So yeah, honestly, it's tough. I, that, I thought I heard somebody say that he might not pitch into the playoffs, um, which it, it, obviously if that's the case, the redraft, like, see you later. That's, I, that's- I think him pitching this season again is, like, extremely optimistic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually dropped him. I'm In my eight-team keeper league, you get to keep four. Um, I, I dropped him in that league. Uh, it's just, like, one of those things where – I just have too many guys on the IL. I need to hang on to other guys and he's not playing for two months. So I kind of like had to cut him loose, but you know, we're in a, we're in a much bigger league with, with more keepers. So if you're in like a dynasty format, you got a ton of, you know, you keep like half your roster basically. Is that a situation where you hang on and ride it out? think that would be the case i mean you at least hang on to hear more news a month from now and then you know if they have to cut into him and you know he's out all next year too then then you can make a a different move but you need more information i think for a league like that in order to make it so we'll be right back with our favorite streamers for the week ahead and our biggest draft day regrets right after a word from our sponsor Am I streaming? Am I streaming? Here are some pictures for you to keep an eye on this week if you need a couple extra starts. So I'm going to go through some shallow league streamers. These are guys who are probably out there in, in smaller leagues. So a couple uh, – so you're looking at Houston – a couple Houston pitchers, Jake Odorizzi on Sunday against Detroit and Jose Arquiti. Tuesday versus Baltimore, those are really good matchups. And generally, if there are Houston pitchers out there in your league, uh, I would I would try to get them. They, uh, they they have a good offense behind them. So if you're in wins leagues, uh, might want to start keeping an eye on Houston pitchers. Uh, Kansas City starting pitcher Mike Miner has a game on Friday, and Brady Singer pitches on Sunday, both versus, versus Texas which is a really good pitching matchup. Uh, Oakland starting pitcher James Caprielian uh, is pitching today. So if, if you uh, hear this in time, pick him up. And he's also pitching next Tuesday, both against Texas. Again, really good matchup for, for pitchers. Uh, and then Toronto starting pitcher Ross Stripling uh, plays Sunday against Baltimore. So those are some shallow league streamers for me. Uh, yeah, if you're in a very deep league, uh, two guys that I was thinking about. Um, first one being Logan Gilbert, who's had a string of pretty good starts recently. Not a great team that he pitches for in Seattle, but uh, he's pitching Saturday against the White Sox. And, you know, it's a deep league. So if you need starts, this guy's less than 30% owned. Uh, and I think he's got a high ceiling. You got to kind of forget about the horrific starts of his season 
he got blown up, I think, in two straight starts. Um, and then the second guy who I was going to recommend, uh, but the game has already started, and now it's looking like uh, that would have been a pretty bad recommendation, was Eric Fetty, who's had a couple of really good starts recently. Yes. Um, and uh, I, I, I thought in a deep league, you'd want to roll a dice on Eric Fetty today, but uh, he got blew up, blown up pretty, pretty bad here today, too. So I, st- I still think he's worth keeping an eye on for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely keep your eye. And I, I was kind of out on Fetty for just based off of his history, but he's really put it together recently. He's getting consistent. Like he's in the rotation for real now. And I think yeah. that's uh, helping him kind of ease into games now. So we'll wrap up today with a look at some of our draft day picks that we wish we could have back. So we all know the saying hindsight is 2020 and as fantasy managers, we always have moments in the season where we're like, ah, like, why didn't I pick this player? Uh, you know, moments that we wish we, we could redo. Like uh, today, I didn't realize games started this early and Robbie Grossman is in, in my lineup and he's day to day now he's not playing. And I wish I could have, you know, it's just so disappointing those moments uh and you know like you start one guy he goes over four the guy on the bench hits two home runs like those things that we wish we could take back those could be the difference between winning and losing a matchup so what we want to do today is look back at our drafts knowing what we know now and see what choices we wish we could take back and and in my opinion this is a helpful exercise because you know, we learn from our mistakes and every year what I do as part of my draft prep is to look at my draft from the previous year and see, okay, what worked, what didn't, should I pick this guy in this spot? Could I have waited longer on this? And so uh, one of my first regrets is, uh, I'm sure everybody who didn't pick him regrets not picking him is not taking Vlad. (laughs) So the way that my uh, one of my leagues works is the first four rounds are auto-drafted keepers. And so my first pick out of those rounds was Alex Bregman, who I thought was going to be great, and he's just been injured a bunch. And I faded Vlad because the last two years he's disappointed. His launch angle wasn't good. He, had, he was, you know, heavy ground ball hitter low hard contact rate, low barrel rate for a guy that we expected to just like crush the ball this year. He's going to win the MVP probably, you know, and Bregman's been on the IL twice and it, you know, he has Bregman has seven home runs when we, we expected a 30 home run season. Vlad might have 30 by the, the all-star break. (laughs) So that's my number, number one regret in this league. Tough total saw. I feel like there's a lot of people who will be able to relate to you on that as well. Um, my my, uh, I've had a couple bad decisions this year. Starting off with keepers, um, I I was all about Kenta Maeda after last year, um, but he's been a really big letdown after 2020. Um, and maybe he was trying to pitch through an injury at the start of the season, and that's what ultimately landed him on the IL for so long. He's looked okay recently, uh, but definitely having keeper's remorse. 
for sure. I would have probably kept Liam Hendricks instead. That was the decision I was trying to make at the time. And it's an eight-keeper league. Um, <clears throat> and I believe Liam Hendricks ended up being the first overall pick after keepers. So that was immediately a tough pull to swallow. Um, when, like, you let guys go that you could have kept, and then they're taken right yeah. away. It's a terrible feeling. Also flattering at the same time, but more terrible than flattering. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then if I kept Hendricks, it would have spared me from this very scary Yimmy Garcia shuttle to hell that I've been riding all season long. So, <laughs> you know, hindsight, again, 2020. Yeah, and, and I think one takeaway for me from the whole Vlad thing is I think I put a lot of stock in, like, historical data and I think when it comes when like draft time comes around I think I need to pay more attention to like is the is has like for Vlad he lost like 40 pounds or something right and packed on muscle and I think I need to pay more attention to like stuff like that that's tough though because you always hear it every every spring training like best shape of his life headline or for like a hundred players, you know, I, I, I with I, I think it's a, it's important not to rake yourself over the coals for passing on black. I mean, historically, data was showing he wasn't really making strides, right? And and you, if he's around in the fifth round, the sixth round, then you take a flyer on him, I suppose. You know, that's an easier, easier selection to make. Uh, so another mistake uh, on draft day was I drafted Eddie Rosario way too early. I liked him in the off season. I actually wrote about him for the game day.com. He just didn't pan out. Um, I ended up in, in, in the, in between the draft and the start of the season, I traded him and Hoskins uh, for Voight who I actually flipped later on. Um, I don't think that, previous years of powers were fluky it just looks like this year he's not hitting the ball hard he's not barreling the ball the launch angles down he's hitting fewer fly balls and all of that is just uh, resulting in less power and I would rather in that league have had Ryu or Zarenia, Berrios, JD Martinez and Max Muncy who all went after Eddie Rosario. That's always hard when you look immediately at the players that were selected after that you made. Was Such a team. bummer. Yeah. yeah. Um, similar experience for me. I have to package these two guys together. I am a complete sucker for high ceiling, low floor youth. Um, and at the 8-9 turn, uh, I thought I was the smartest guy in the room. I took Kevin Biggio and Alec Baum, 95th and 98th overall. Uh, Kevin's dad was my second favorite baseball player of all time. And seeing as this is a points league and his son is available, uh, I expected Kevin Biggio to even get better than he was last year. His plate discipline has always been very good. Uh, and to me, foregone conclusion that the power would finally arrive. Um, he has regressed massively. Yeah. Uh, and in a similar sense, Baum is uh, arguably at the time in 2020, Philly's best hitter down the stretch last year. Uh, there was no doubt in my mind that he would take the next step uh, while hitting in a very potent Phillips lineup. Collectively, these two guys that took in the eighth and ninth round are averaging 1.3 <laughs> points per game. 
and they're still in my lineup because I, I can't quit them just yet. Um, and again, you look at the players taken after these picks that you make, and I had guys high up on my board, and these guys are Chris Bryant, Alex Verdugo, Austin Meadows, Nick Castellanos, and Sandy Alcantara. I very, very painful to look at these yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> it's a man. <laughs> Sometimes hindsight is is good, and sometimes it just breaks your heart. Uh, so part of my strategy uh, the last couple of years is to get, like, the top relievers. And that way I lock down ERA, saves, whip. But because of that, uh, I missed out on J.D. Martinez, who is having a great season. And looking at the way the draft shook out, I could have – grabbed him and still probably gotten one of those relievers that I chose in a later round. Uh, You know, uh, we've, we talked about JD a little earlier, right? He's not going to hit 45 home runs, but that 290, 30, 35 home run, you know, season is realistic. The BABIP is up a little, not crazy. All the hard contact metrics look legit. One thing I really like that, makes me just like kick myself is home run to fly ball rate is actually lower than normal which means that more home runs are coming and knowing he'd do this he'd have gone a lot earlier in the draft obviously I think a lot of people were paranoid after 2020 I expected somewhat of a return to form this year but I certainly didn't expect uh, what he's doing now but that's another one for me that I wish I could have had back Continuing my trend of being a complete sucker for youth. Uh, I remember the start of 2020, like preseason, spring training, everybody was talking real high on Gavin Lux, like second coming, Chase Utley, right? Yeah. Um, and remember how frustrating it was to own Gavin Lux in 2020 because, you know, the, the Dodgers just always – they just did what they always do. I didn't remember that. I saw – uh, Gavin Lux sitting there in the 12th round, and it was all mine to take. Uh, and surely the Dodgers were going to give the kid real playing time in 2021, right? Surely this was the year. Of course he was going to be uh, an all-star second baseman in 2021. These are things I'm telling myself, staring at him. Um, please fulfill the prospect pedigree prophecy that yeah. we all really knew that he was going to be. Instead, Lux is in and out of the lineup thanks to the incurable dodgeritis. Uh, is there any chance that we could get a vaccine for that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I've had him on and off of my roster, too. And it's a shallower league. But, yeah, they just, he just needs to get consistent playing time. And then uh, I got two more that, you know, are, are uh, takebacks for me. I wish I had. I wish I'd have picked up Jesse Winker. He went late in my draft, and and this is the eight team league, so you know we're only rostering two hundred players in that league. Uh, but man, is he killing it! And there are plenty of players I would happily have traded him in for that I drafted, uh, and most of what he's doing looks legit, except for his batting average. It's definitely Babbitt driven. But the power is real. The home run to fly ball rate is only a hair above his career average. And we saw flashes of 
the power coming in 2020 and I should have paid more attention. I think I just thought like, okay, crowded outfield. He's probably going to be a platoon guy, but he's not. He's playing every day and I'm definitely taking note this season. He tripled his barrel rate from 2019 to 2020 and he's actually maintaining that rate this season and he's hitting the ball much harder too. And the other uh, guy that my last guy that I wish I had taken uh, in my shallow league was Kevin Gossman. I got him in my, in, in the deeper points league. And I'm so happy about that, but I wish I could have rostered him everywhere. He went, he was another really, really late draft pick in that, in that uh, shallow league. And if it wasn't for DeGrom, we might be saying Kevin Gossman's the best pitcher in baseball this year. Crazy, crazy. It is. So what he's doing is unreal. I'm going to give you a couple of, of stats here about him. So he's pitched in 14 games so far. In five of those games, he's given up zero earned runs. In six of those games, he's given up one earned run. And he's only given up more than one earned run in three games. He's only walked more than two batters in a game one time. And he has eight wins, one loss, and 11 quality starts. 11 of his 14 starts have been quality starts. There are signs that regression is coming, low BABIP, low home run to fly ball rate, but all the, you know, like expected ERA, FIP, XFIP, Sierra, they all think he's mid to ERA pitcher. He's ridiculous. I cannot believe, and I love San Francisco, what San Francisco has done with their pitch. Obviously I've talked about it a million times, but, and I still missed out on him. And that was just one where it's just like, come on, man. <laughs> oh man. We'll be back next Wednesday with more fantasy baseball info for you. But in the meantime, you can tweet us at Fastball Pod, reach out to us on Instagram at Fastball Fantasy Baseball, or email us at fastballfantasybaseball at gmail.com and we'll respond. Your questions will make it onto the show and we'll even shout you out. So drop your social media handles as well. Also, make sure you've subscribed so you're notified when new episodes publish. If you want to get more info from me, I'm currently writing baseball, fantasy baseball, and baseball betting articles for thegameday.com, thegameday.com. So check out my articles there. You'll see a bunch of articles from me next month. Thegameday.com is a great source for sports betting and fantasy news, so make sure to check it out. And also you can check out creativesports2.com. That's the number two. I have a column there called Three Strikes, and I'll post there every Thursday. Uh, This week I'm going to dig into a few players uh, who I mentioned today, uh, but uh, a little more in depth. So make sure to check that out. And finally, please give the show a five-star rating. Each high rating is going to move this podcast up the list on all the podcast platforms when people search for fantasy baseball. So really helps us out. And thanks for listening.